Good morning. Our Old Testament reading today is Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. It can be found on page 13 of your pew Bible. But first, will you pray with me? O Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path. By your spirit, light our way as we read your word. Give us eyes to see all that you want us to see. Give us ears to hear all that you want us to hear. And give us hearts that might be opened and transformed at the reading of your holy word. In your son's precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Genesis 15, 1 through 6, God's covenant with Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven. And number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Thank you, Carol. Good morning. As we continue to study the letter, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, we're now in that third chapter. And this is a tough one. There's some really deep stuff here. It's like beef jerky. You've got to kind of keep chewing on it. We're going to move past a little bit in the third chapter. We're going to start in verse 21 through verse 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male, there is no female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, some things in Scripture are so clear and yet sometimes so profound that we need your help. Give us ears to hear. Give us wisdom. Uh, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Saving Private Ryan or American Sniper? 
Which movie do you like the best? The Academy movies are coming up. My wife and I are big moviegoers. Every Sunday we invite all of our college kids and we go see some hopefully appropriate movie and we talk about it. <clears throat> but we just saw American Sniper. And at the end of American Sniper about the true story about Chris Kyle, the sniper <clears throat> embedded, it was dead silence. If you went to that movie, it was like leaving a funeral. No one spoke. It was so moving. And I thought about which movie would Paul like of those two? Because they both have a statement about meeting God. They both have a statement about life. And I think Paul would choose the story of the American sniper. Because Saving Private Ryan, you have a story where at the end, the character, fictitious James Francis Ryan, has lived his whole life wondering if he'd been good enough. There he is standing in front of the grave marker of Captain John Hill, who had died trying to save him because he was the last of four brothers. And, and this captain had gone all the way and run in front of the American invasion into Europe and had lost men and died and given their lives to save this one final soldier, Private James Francis Ryan. And Tom Hanks playing the captain in his last dying moment with a bullet in his chest, grabs the lapel of this poor private and says, earn this. Promise you'll earn this. And so then at the end of the movie, this poor, poor man, 50 years later with his family, is back in Normandy, standing in front of the grave marker of this captain and still wondering, have I been a good man? Have I earned this? And Paul says, no, you haven't earned this. Compare that to the American sniper. Not so much the story, but the person, Chris Kyle, this true American hero who had 10 missions to continue to try and basically save the lives of others by taking out dangerous people. And in that movie, there's one clip that really sums up what Paul's saying. He's being interviewed and he says, I am prepared when I meet my creator to make a defense. I'm prepared to give an account for every shot I took. But that's in the movie. But if you read his true quote, he says, because I'm a Christian, I'm a sinner, but I have been forgiven and saved by the blood of the old rugged cross. He doesn't say that, but he says by the blood of the cross. And Paul is saying the same thing. Are you going to be a saving Private Ryan, earn it kind of person, live under the law of Moses? Or are you going to be a, a Chris Kyle person who's going to say, I am ready to give account because of the promise of Jesus Christ given to Abraham, fulfilled in Christ on the cross. Are you going to try to be good or are you going to lean on the promise of Christ? And that's what Paul's been arguing with. And so he starts off and said, you foolish Galatians, you're still trying to be good when you need God through Christ. So what is this promise? We know what the law is, the Ten Commandments given to Moses, but Paul says before that, 400 years before that, there was a promise made. Let's look at that promise again and what it means. Many times God gives a promise to Abram, but this one in Genesis, he's talking to Abram. Abram's barren. Abram is infertile. Sarah, his wife, can't have, her name means mother. His name means father, and they're both with that child. And God speaks to them. He says, if you remember, after this, these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, I'm your shield. Your reward will be great. Abram says, Lord, what will you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Behold, you've given me no offspring. Well, remember, my house will be my heir. He doesn't understand how God's going to fulfill his promise. And behold, the word of the Lord came and says, No, this man will not be your heir. Your very own son, who will be Isaac, will be your heir. 
He brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven, count the stars. And you can picture Abram out there going, three million, four, okay, what's the trick? What's the joke here? And he says, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He said, I will live by the promise. And that's the promise. And if we read further in that story, a very amazing, someone told me this is their most fascinating part of the scripture to them just the other day. It says, then God tells Abram to take a goat, a calf, and a ram, and birds, and cut them, and split them, and spill their blood, cut them in half, and lay them out in pieces on the ground, half here, half here. So there's this bloody mess with a path between it. Because in those days, instead of a notary public or a legal testament or a handshake, the way you sealed the deal, the way you made a promise, a covenant, and the way you sealed the deal was you would both walk between the pieces of those slaughtered animals, and you were saying, if I break this promise, if I break this law, this commitment, may I be torn to pieces like these pieces of animals. But then a very interesting thing happens. Two men don't walk through it. The scripture says that when it becomes dark, there's a glowing fire pot, a smoking pot, and a flaming torch. And God himself, because fire always represents the holiness of God in the Old Testament, God himself walks between these two pieces. And he is saying, if this covenant is broken, may I be torn in two. And he makes that covenant. And Abraham sees that and says, I'm in. I believe you, Lord. And his faith makes him righteous. And it's still the same today. That promise is still there. But the problem is, we are promise breakers. The problem is, and this is what Paul says, this is what the law is all about. The law shows us that we're promise breakers. This is American Heart Month, American Heart Association. It's Valentine's. We have our big Have a Heart fundraiser. I borrowed this from a cardiologist. This is not the size of a real heart. Maybe it's Murray's heart or my wife's heart, but it's not really the size of a real heart. Mine's more like the Grinch sometimes. This is a heart. And cardiologists use this to show patients where the damage is. And they do a thing that's called an echocardiogram. It's a sonogram. It's a picture, a 3D picture of your heart to see if there's any damage, to see if there's any problems that you need fixing or you'll die. And Paul says the law is like a spiritual sonogram or an echogram of our spiritual hearts to see if we have a problem that needs fixing. The law is the straight line we measure our crooked lives by. And in America, and in a religious Bible Belt, Amarillo, Texas, West Texas, sometimes we need to look at that sonogram because we tend to think that we're better, we're good. I'm American, I'm Presbyterian, I'm religious, I come from a good family. I'm okay with God. I'm not as bad as Hitler and Osama bin Laden. I'm not as good as Mother Teresa and those folks. I'm okay. And the law says, no. Let's just take a picture. So let's just, you and I, take a quick diagnostic look at our heart. I'll just ask some questions to myself, and you don't have to answer out loud, please. So let's just see how our heart's doing. Let's just take that sonogram, those Ten Commandments. So <clears throat> Moses said, if I've ever at any time in my life ever loved anything, anybody, anyone more than God, if I've ever made an idol out of anything, my wife, my family, my job, my spouse, another person, my possessions, if I've ever taken the name of God and used it for a curse word or the name of Jesus and used it for a curse word, then I've broken the law. I'm a promise breaker. The law says if I've ever done anything on Sunday besides worship the Lord all day, if I've watched football, if I've worked in my yard, if I've played golf, if I've taken my kid to a soccer game, if I've any, done anything that's not worshiping God, or if I've ever in my life dishonored my parents, been disrespectful, talked back to them. Yeah, all the guys are going, whoa. 
If I've ever done anything to disrespect my parents and not love them, I've broken the law. And then it even says, if I've ever killed anyone, the Muslims are like, one out of nine, not bad. But then Jesus comes along and says, if you've even hated someone, wished they were dead, curse them, you've broken the law. We're a promise breaker. How you doing so far? Call the ambulance. And then Moses says, if you've ever had sex with someone that you're not married to, not married with, you've broken the law. And some of us are still, and some of us are like, aches. But then he goes further. Jesus says, if you've even thought about, fantasized about having sexual relations with someone else, you've broken the law. If you've ever taken anything, a piece of bubble gum, or cheated on your income taxes, or stolen a stapler from the office, or took an answer off someone else's test, or plagiarized on an essay, or taken anything that wasn't yours, you're a lawbreaker. If you've ever told a white lie, if you've ever exaggerated the truth, if you've ever left out the truth, if you've ever gossiped, if I've ever slandered, if I've ever just told a little bit of the truth, I've broken the law. If I've ever looked at anyone's spouse, or house, or life, or body, or money, or position, and wished it were mine, and coveted, I've broken the law. How you looking? I'm a mess. This law is showed, come to show us that we are promise breakers. And if we want to live the saving private Ryan and try to fix your own heart and try to be your own spiritual cardiologist, you'll fail. I would fail. I can't earn this. And then that's the bad news. But Paul says, that's the law of Moses. He talks about the law in this, in this chapter seven times. But he talks about the promise eight times. Because the good news is, even though we have broken the law, the Lord keeps his promise in spite of our failures. The scripture says that first came the promise, 400 years later came the law, and then at the right time, God sent his son. God, his son left his place. His, he, he who was equal with God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but became one of us, emptied himself, took on a human heart, and lived among us, and fulfilled the law. Every moment of his life kept all those Ten Commandments. was the perfect sacrifice. And then God the Father let his Son be lifted up on a cross. And we, our sins, tore his heart apart. Our sins broke his heart. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was pierced. A Roman soldier put a spear in his heart for us. So that God then fulfilled the promise to Abraham. If this promise is broken, may I be torn apart. And he let his own son be torn apart in our place, in our stead. He kept the promise we couldn't keep. And that's why the scripture says, <laughs> God demonstrates his love for us. And while we're yet sinners, he died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. We're, by his wounds, we are healed. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. That's the promise. That's the good news that we're no longer under the law, which shows us how bad our heart is, that our hearts are fixed because God keeps his promises. And that's a great, that's the news. And the question is, are you still going to live a private life, saving private Ryan life? Or are you going to be saved by the blood of Christ? Like Chris Kyle, who said, I know I'm a sinner. I'm just going to come in front of Jesus. Yesterday I had one more final great military history story for this, and a friend called me and said, I got a better idea for you. You like movies? You're going to talk about movies? I got one for you. He sa I said, what, man? Like Fury? He goes, no, Princess Diaries. I'm like, what? Princess Diaries? That's a chick flick. 
He goes, it's perfect. I said, I'm not sure I'm going to have to turn my man card in on this one. He goes, no, think about it. He says, it's a perfect movie for this because you have this young lady, a 15-year-old San Francisco girl named Maya Thermopolis. She's this lost, awkward 15-year-old in San Francisco, and she finds out before her 16th, year, her 16th birthday that she's actually an heir to the throne. She's next in line for this fictional kingdom of Genova, Genovia. And the queen comes over, her grandmother comes over and tries to help her learn and earn how to be a princess. She goes through the whole movie trying to be a princess and she fails over and over again because she's just this teenage kid. And finally she renounces the throne and says, I can't do it. And someone looks at her, her friend says, you don't have to do it. You don't have to earn being the princess. You already are the princess. Now go take your throne, go take your place and be the princess. That's the gospel. We don't have to earn our place. We are heirs if we take the promise of Jesus Christ. Paul says it like this at the end of that chapter. He says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. John says, 1 John says it like this, as many as you believe in him, to them you'll give the right to be called sons and daughters of the living God. In Christ, we are a prince. We are princesses. We have a place. We have an heir. If we quit trying to live under the law and save our own lives and be good and live under the promise that God loved us so much he gave his son for us. And that's the question. Are you going to be a good works earner? Are you going to be a promise, an heir, a promise heir? Are you going to be a son and daughter? And if you are, the scripture says, then this is what it'll look like. When you look at someone, you won't see black, white. You won't see Jew, Gentile. You won't see American, Chinese. You won't see male, female. You won't see affluent, homeless, Presbyterian, Baptist. Because we all know that we're sinners saved by grace. And we'll treat each other exactly that way. We'll be promised sharers and promised bearers. I got to see that last night. Will and some of the folks... Uh, Lou Cowan, some folks from our church and Covenant Pres and Westminster started this ESL, Friends and Fellowship Program. We're at the Cove. We have folks from other countries, and they, they take an ESL. They're uh, immigrants. They work at, you know, the factories out here, and they're Laotians and all types of people, and they come to Emerald College to learn English. And we opened up the Cove on, at 4.30 for them just to come and speak English. And Mary Lou sat with a woman from Shanghai and talked for an hour. And someone else sat with a woman from Guatemala and just made friends. Because remember the song, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. If we claim the promise of Jesus Christ, they were heirs, then we would treat others in the same way, that they too can be sons and daughters. So what will it be? Saving Private Ryan, are you going to try to earn your way? Or Chris Kyle, saved by the blood, the blood of the old rugged cross, the fulfillment to Abraham that was fulfilled on the cross in Jesus Christ. Will you be an heir or will you keep trying? When you leave here, I challenge you to drive down 8th Street and go to 8th and Hayden. And on that southeast corner is a green building. It's got a Larry Brown sign in front of it. And behind that, you'll see this. My friend Michael, who just recently joined the Gap and has been part of our fellowship, he's a creative artist. He used to be a tagger. He used to be a kid that went out and ruined buildings with graffiti. But now he knows Jesus. He quit trying to be good because he knew he couldn't, and he claimed the promise. And now he paints for Christ. 
And the people on this building had all this graffiti on the back of it. They said, would you just fix that building? Would you paint something on there? And so he's painted over all that graffiti, the picture of Christ. And just go look at it. Because that Christ said, I will never leave you or forsake you, I promise. I go to prepare a place for you. You are heirs, sons and daughters, I promise. I have a place for you. Go take a look at that and ask yourself today, am I a promised heir? And then will I be a promised sharer? Now, speaking of people that share this good news, Dan Ferguson has been faithful with this wonderful group of men and women, the Gideons, to tell us more about how we can take this good news, this promise to others.